You really cannot understand the Christian faith outside of, of giving. Because giving is the essence of who God is. It's the essence of what our Christian faith is all about. So we'll discover what that really is all about. Um, I th- we're, what we're going to do is for the next few weeks leading up to Christmas is we're going to be, be looking at that. I didn't, and I know this. I know that for many of us, this time of the year is a very stressful time. You're trying to make ends meet. You're trying to uh, pay the bills. And now you've got a whole round of, of, uh, of gifts that you've got to buy. Um, the, the Bank of Montreal put a, a, a hanger on our, our uh, doorknob. Uh, and, and the invitation was this. Come and transfer your mortgage over to us. Uh, before Christmas, and we will give you $5,000 so you've got money to spend for Christmas. Oh, that's pretty brilliant. Um, I almost phoned. <laughs> $5,000 to transfer my mortgage. I mean, we're desperate. I mean, this time of the year, people, it's a, it's a tough time. Very stressful. People get angry. People are, uh, are, are not happy. They're, they're going into debt. And uh, uh, it's tough. So what I want to do is over the next several weeks, I want to just help everybody get perspective. I want to remind everybody that God is a God has promised to provide for us and to meet our needs. And uh, and you, what you need to know today is that when you when you entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you actually entered into a supernatural relationship, whereby God promises to provide for you and and meet your needs. And, uh, and to help you with whatever it is that you're facing so that you don't have to face the stress that everybody else is, is facing. So we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But let me just say this. Uh, Christmas is really a very special time of the year for most of us. We've, we, we have great memories because rooted in our childhood was uh, some really great experiences at Christmas time. We, we experienced uh, an extravagant generosity that we didn't experience the rest of the year. Now, at our home, we all had stockings. Uh, we, had, we hung our stockings up uh, before we left, up until the point that we left home. So, I mean, I was still getting my stocking filled when I was uh, 21. I mean, if don't even hang in a stocking and they're filling it, I keep putting a stocking up, right? Okay, so here's the interesting thing is that, you know, we, any little kids here? I'm going to let you in on a secret. There really is no Santa. Sorry. <laughs> but it's interesting how we play along with the charade, right? We just kind of like, and we sit on Santa's knee, tell him what we want. We know there is no Santa Claus. Sorry about that. She knows, okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Jeff. <laughs> sorry to break it to you. <laughs> <laughs> there really isn't. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, we go along with it. We go along with the charade. We hang this because it's all part of the experience. Great memories from our childhood. Uh, does everybody remember what's in the toe of the stocking? An orange. Me too. That's right. I'm glad no one said coal. <laughs> uh, and then, and then you know, stuck to my dad's work sock. Welcome home, Dad and Tori. Good to have you home. Uh, there's always a Christmas candy. Remember the Christmas candy? The, the rock-hard stuff that I, I know. I never ate mine. I just threw it out. But it was in there because it's part of the tradition 
And then the peanuts. Anybody get peanuts in there, in the garbage, along with the hard candy? And, uh, and then also we would get a box of, um, of Pop-Tarts. And that was so that we could make our own breakfast so our parents could sleep longer. Everybody <laughs> know what I'm talking about? So uh, actually that's what Gloria and I do now. We just put Pop-Tarts in there and hope it'll buy us another half hour of sleep. Um, yeah, Christmas, uh, it's great memories and a time of giving, a time of receiving. Um, one of the things that we used to love about Christmas is watching Nicholas's response. And um, that he was in the first service, and I promised I was going to pay him for using his name in the sermon. So we'll go toward this Costa Rica trip. But uh, he, uh, he, would, he would open his presents. And it, you never saw anyone get so excited about opening a present like Nicholas. And he, what he would do is he'd be like vibrating on the spot, the big smile on his, and he'd be un- unwrapping his presents, and then he would just like burst out, this is exactly what I wanted. It didn't matter what it was, underwear, <laughs> it's, it's exactly what I wanted. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, and remember one time, he, he, he's vibrating, opening, opening his presents, jumping up and down, this is exactly what I wanted. And then he said, what is it? <laughs> Oh, man. Great times at Christmas. Great times. For me, it was getting Hot Wheels. Oh, my goodness, to get Hot Wheels. How many guys got Hot Wheels for Christmas? And, uh, yeah, so, and we would just have the tracks from one end of the house to the other. It was great, great fun. Christmas is a time of celebrating, and it's a time of remembering the, su- the most supreme generosity ever known to, to mankind. Christmas is a celebration of the greatest gift of all, and it's Jesus Christ. This Christmas, as we lead up to the season, what I want to do, and it's my prayer, is that we really get proper perspective about what it's really all about, and that our hearts would truly be touched supernaturally by God, so that you are not going through this season stressed out and angry and taking it out on the poor uh, teller at Superstore, <laughs> uh, that you're not getting angry at that person who's, you know, who's, who's not maybe as good a driver as you are, uh, so that you're not getting angry at your kids and your spouse. Christmas is a celebration of Jesus, and it's a time of the season where we're reminded of what Christianity is in fact, really all about. I'd like us to look at the scripture verse today because here's what I know. Um, before you read it, don't read it. Don't read it yet. Here's what I know. I know that the happiest people on earth are people who are givers. And I know that because the Bible tells me that. Look what it says here. Now Now you can look. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 to 8. And, and here's what... The Apostle Paul is saying to the Christians who live in Corinth. And he says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need. And plenty left over to share with others. So here's what I do know after 30 years in the ministry. I know that any kind of discussion or any kind of sermon on the topic of giving is oftentimes a very touchy subject. People, uh, you could talk about anything. Um, 
You can talk about death. You can talk about dying. You can talk about sex. But don't talk about money, Pastor. That's really that's the real taboo subject in church. People don't want to hear about it. And I'll tell you why. Because for most of us, at the very core of our nature is is a selfishness or a greediness. We are by nature greedy. And everybody said, uh, thanks a lot, Pastor. It's just what I wanted to hear when I came to church. The fact is, is that we are. By nature, we are greedy. We want to hang on. We don't want to let go. And, the, and I can prove it. Just go to any playground and watch kids play together. And you will see their, their most natural tendencies come out. They, they want to hang on to everything for dear life. They don't want to let go of anything because it's mine. I love that. Um, anybody see Finding Nemo? And then they have the, the birds, the seagulls. And it's, 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 does everybody remember that? And the seagulls, what's their, what's their call? Mine, 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 mine. I thought, yeah, this is perfect. This is a perfect uh, uh, metaphor for human beings. And of course, you know that the seagulls are all fighting, or seagulls or pelicans or whatever it was, they're all fighting over what? Over whatever fish is available. Mine, 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 mine. Okay, guess what? We're the same way. By nature, we're greedy, we're self-centered, we really want to keep for ourselves whatever we've got. And I'm going to tell you that the essence of Christianity, the, the, the very root of who we are and what we are, is that we are givers. Why? Because God is a giver. Now, this morning, what I want to do is I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to give you a gift today. I want to give you a gift that will, I believe, revolutionize your life. I want to give you the gift of happiness. Or at least I want to give you the secret to happiness. The secret to happiness is very simple. Give. That's the secret. You show me an unhappy person. You show me a person who has a hard time smiling, who's grumpy. I'm going to show you somebody who's stingy, who's self-centered, who's greedy, who's, who's selfish. You show me somebody who's happy, who's cheerful, I'm going to show you somebody who's a giver, who loves to give and can't get enough of it. One of the things that that Gloria and I learned very early in in our married life is to be generous in our giving. And here's what I can tell you, is that God has always provided for us and has always, always met our needs. After 30 years in the ministry, I've made some observations about people who are givers, who are generous givers. And I'm just going to share these with you today. And I'm going to say this uh, before I tell you what those six things are. Is that all the people that we know who are generous givers, none of them started out rich. None of them were left a legacy. No one, none of these people inherited money so that they were able to be generous. But they began it as a habit, as a way of living. So here's what I've discovered. And from this, hopefully, there'll be people here who will say, I want, I want that. I want to experience what you're talking about this morning, Pastor. So the very first thing I know is that people who are generous givers are the happiest people I know. And I, we just said that. The happiest people are givers. Secondly, the, hap- the, the people who are generous uh, are usually much better off financially than their peers. And, it's, and you have to understand this. They're better off financially not because uh, uh, they're, they're hanging on to their money, but because they're, they've learned how to trust God 
and how to order their priorities right. And so they give, and God provides for them. In fact, that's what we just read in the Scripture verse. Thirdly, people who are generous givers are organized financially. They tend to be stress-free when it comes to money. Number four, they usually have more friends and better relationships. Why? Because they're bribing people? Will you be my friend? I'll give you 10 bucks if you be my friend. No, that's not, what, that's not it at all. They've got a generous spirit, a generous heart. And people who are generous, people who give, are attractive. People want to be with people like that. You, want to be, you naturally want to be with people who are unselfish. And the most popular people tend to be people who are unselfish. Now, that doesn't necessarily apply to teenagers. They, they run by their own rules. But I'm talking about once you get past puberty, <laughs> when you get past you know, the popular crowd from high school, when you start, start engaging in life, the people who have friends, the people who, who are surrounded by a great network of friendships are people who are generous and love to give. Number five, people who are generous givers are far more mature and victorious in their faith. People who are givers are people, listen to this, who have learned how to trust God, have learned how to walk with God, have learned how to take God at his word. They've learned how to do what God says. Remember what faith is, by the way? Faith is believing God and then doing what he says. That's what faith is. And here's what I've discovered. People who are givers usually are believing God and doing what he says in other areas of their life as well. So here's what I know, is that if you are believing God and doing what he says in the area of finances, then you're probably doing the same thing in every other area of your life as well. And that's not always the case, but oftentimes it is. So those who are givers tend to be people who are more mature and victorious in their faith. And number six, people who are givers tend to experience the miraculous more than other people do. you, You might want to call it a coincidence, but in fact... You and I know, according to God's word, is that God will provide for us and meet our needs when we're faithful in giving. Look what it says here in this verse. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will, look at this, God will generously provide all you need. Did you see that? God has made a promise to you that when you are a cheerful giver, when you give faithfully, God will... In turn, meet your needs. He'll provide for you. Then, the Bible says, you will always have everything you need. Look at this. And plenty left over to share with others. So here's, here's the thing. Over the years, I've had so many people say to me, Pastor, if I win the lottery, you know where this is going. I'm going to give I'm gonna half of it to the church. Pastor, if I win the lottery, I'm not going to give 10%. I'm going to give 20 Pastor, I, you know, I just want you to know this. So here's what I know. After 30 years in the ministry, I have never gotten one nickel from anybody who's ever won a lottery. Because here's, the, here's, here's what you need to know. Is that the miraculous in your life takes place not from doing it your way, but from doing it God's way. God wants you and me to experience his supernatural work in our lives. But the only way that it can happen is if you do what God tells you to do, if you believe God and do what he says. And so this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit then about how to experience this joy, this happiness in your life. And I'm going to tell you again, it comes 
from giving. So here's the thing. When you see somebody this week and they look unhappy and they look miserable, don't judge them, but you probably won't be able to help thinking. They probably don't give anything to anyone ever. And by the way, if you notice yourself not being a happy person, maybe that's just the Holy Spirit poking you and just saying, hey, maybe it's time that you start sharing, start giving. So I know you're asking, you're saying, okay, pastor, how much? How much? How much do you want? How much do I owe? I like coming to this church. I like the decorations. Beautiful decorations, by the way, for those who did that. Coffee, it's free. If you don't want to pay, you don't have to. Come to church and enjoy the ministry here. I'm willing to pitch in a little bit. My grandmother not a, was not a believer. She came to our church to visit one Sunday. And you have to know her. She's got a bit of a sense of humor and a little bit of a sarcastic sense of humor. And so she's doing this. She's doing it as much for, for my sake as anybody's. But when it came time for the offering, she reached into her purse and she pulled out a $5 bill. But she, and the reason I know it is because she wanted me to see it in the midst of the service that she was pulling out a $5 bill. So she, she pulls that $5 bill out and goes like this and then puts it in the offering plate. I don't think anybody else noticed, but I did. And I thought, I know that she thinks she's being really generous. Here's what a lot of people think. They think if I throw five bucks in the plate, I'm, I'm doing my duty. And, you know, that's, that's good enough. Okay, so how much? How much is the right amount? Well, I'm going to tell you, anybody who asks that question, anybody who says, well, what's the minimum I should give? Or what's the maximum I should give? Anybody who asks that question, I'm going to tell you this. This is a... This is a heart issue. Because the bottom line is, is not the giving. It's not the, the dollars. The bottom line is the devotion. What you need to know about giving is that it is actually part of your worship experience. It's part of what it means to worship God. So when you give, you're not just saying, Oh, God, i got to make Pastor Allen happy because if I don't give, then you know I'm not going to stop hearing about it on Sundays. Giving is all about your worship. It's all about your adoration. It's all about your devotion to God. It's all about saying, God, I recognize how good and how faithful you've been to me. And God, I just want to return a portion of what you've done for me. The fact of the matter is, is that you can never outgive God. When Gloria and I started at, at Western Gospel Church, because that's what we were called before we were called Cross Church, this church could not afford to hire us, and we cannot afford to come here. But here's the thing. God told us that we should come here. And so for a little over $1,000 a month, uh, I came with my family to this church, and we said, God, just provide for us. God, meet the need. And guess what? God did exactly that. We find groceries on our doorstep. Um, And then it came time... We were living in Gloria's parents' basement. We couldn't live there anymore. Uh, it, we needed to be close to the church. We had to get on with our life. And I'm praying about it. I remember kneeling down and praying. Some of you have heard this before. And saying, God, show me what to do. I don't know what to do. And, you know, here's the temptation. The temptation is I'm going to hang on to the money and keep it for myself, right? So that I can take care of my needs, right? Because that makes sense. It's logical that I'd hang on to my money so I can meet my needs. The problem with that is that that's according to my own understanding. God calls me to be a giver. 
And so here's what, here's what happened. I said, God, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, and I'm going to give above what I'm expected to give. I'm going to lead the way in this church, no matter if it means I don't have any food in the cupboards. And so I'm praying and saying, God, how am I going to buy a house? Well, very long story, just long. Uh, the, the, the house next door to the parsonage uh, that, that the church owned came up for sale. And I made an offer to the, uh, to the people who owned the house. I said, I'll, uh, I'd like to buy your house. And um, um, I'm going to pay $40,000 for it. And they said, that's a good price, a good deal. And back then it was a good price. And I said, okay, God, how are we going to pay? I'm going to pay for this now. So I went into prayer, prayed, and said, God, just show me. And then all of a sudden, God reminded me of, a, of an insurance policy that I bought when I was uh, about 20 years old. And I hadn't paid into it for many, many years, but I suddenly remembered that. So I called up the guy that sold it to me, and I said, hey, do you remember I bought that insurance policy? He goes, yeah. I said, do you think it would be possible for me to, um, to borrow from that? That's when I felt God guy, and I'd never heard of that before. So I said, "Could I, could I borrow? Could I borrow from that?" He goes, "Yeah, well, I think you can." So, um, so how, how much? Uh, how much can I borrow? Well, it, as it turns out, I was able to borrow exactly the down payment on the new house. It's exactly what was there. So. So I, call, I, I, I wrote the letter in, got the money in. I was able to put the down payment on the house. Two weeks later, people, listen to this. Two weeks later, that company that had my, my money, my down payment, the company that I was supposed to pay back, that company went bankrupt. I have a down payment for my house. Now I could tell you, I could keep you here all afternoon telling you story after story after story of how God has provided for us and met our needs. Now, I would tell you, I never would have thought of that. Nobody would have even have told me about it had I not been in a position where I needed to go into prayer and I needed to ask God to provide for me and meet my needs. When Gloria and I were in Greece, sometimes, I mean, we, we, I think we had $600 a month to live on. There were times when we lived in Greece, people. Anybody watch Greece on the news? There are times when our check wouldn't come in. Sometimes it'd be like a whole, it was like six weeks one time. And we had literally nothing. And our neighbor during that time would knock on our door every day and bring us food that she was cooking. She said, I was cooking this food. I thought you'd like to, you were smelling it. You would like to enjoy it. Would you like some? Okay. <laughs> and that happened the whole time we were waiting for our check to come in. God provided for us and met our needs. Never let us down even once. Now here's what I want you to know today. When you became a Christian, when you entered into a relationship with God, you entered into a supernatural relationship with God, where God promises to meet your needs if you will do what he says, if you will believe him and do what he says. This is what faith is. And so we enter into this relationship of faith. And so the question again is, but pastor, how much? How much should I give? Well, do you know that the average person in North America gives between three uh, gives between two and three percent of their income now we remember this we are the the richest people in the world and 
all we give is between 2 and 3%. Now, that's averaged out over everybody. And the fact of the matter is, is that, that you're going to probably find large numbers who, of people who give lots of money and the majority give nothing. But if you average it out, only 2 to 3%. You say, well, what about Christians? Well, you'd think it would be better, wouldn't you? Guess what Christians give? They give about 1% more. People who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, people who say that they love God and they worship this God who is a giver, they give about 3 to 4%. Now, we've got a big problem here, people. Because God is a giver. That's the essence of who he is. The question today is this. Do you really, really believe God? And are, are you really trusting Him? Are you really putting your faith in Him? Are you really doing it His way? Because the fact of the matter is, is that if you really want to know what Paul is talking about in this passage, then you're going to have to start to learn how to do it God's way and stop doing it your own way. The thing that, that marks a believer from an unbeliever is that we believe God. That's supposed to be the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. We believe God and we do what he says. So the question today is, do you believe God? And the way that I know you believe God is by what you do. So you can't say that you really believe God if if you don't do what God says. I can tell you what your, what your faith is. I can tell you what your faith system is. I can tell you what your values are by what you do. Do you believe God? Do you believe in this supernatural God who knows how to meet your needs? You know, I, uh, I was shocked recently to hear of one of our pastors here in the city who's trying to raise money for his building program. And he figured, hmm... People don't give, so what should we do? Let's, I know, let's have a poker tournament. Let's have a Texas Hold'em. And that's exactly what they did. Let me tell you, when we, when we went into this building program, I... I I want you to know this. We, we, we just had a hand, small handful of people. Rob and, and, and Jane will remember this. This is a small handful of people, but we knew that God wanted us to get this building, and God wanted us to go from our little building on Elgin Avenue into this building. I can tell you, I get a phone call saying, Pastor, can you stop in for a minute? I need to I just feel God telling me to give some money to the building program. What that person didn't know is that I was on my knees, literally, crying out to God and saying, God, i got to pay for the duct work. It's the HVAC system. It's going to be 40000 Where am I going to get the money from? And suddenly I get a phone call saying, can you come pick up a check? Now you'll notice I did not call the elders and say, can you come on down to the building for a poker tournament? Quick, i got to pay a bill. Quickly, go buy some lottery tickets. we got to pay for this building. It belongs to God. Listen, folks, you rely on your own understanding. You rely on your own wisdom. You rely on yourself. And you're always, always going to end up in trouble. You're always going to be stressed out. You're always going to be short of money. You're always going to be in debt. You're always going to be in trouble. 
you remember me telling you about the toilet that I went to unplug. Pastor, can you come down and unplug my toilet? And it's like, God, really? I got to pay for these friends. I got the guys want, he's coming this afternoon to get, to get paid for the front doors we just had installed and the glass. And God, I got to go and plug a little old lady's toilet. Really? I mean, I'm a pastor. I've been to Bible college. How many know that God doesn't care about that kind of stuff? So I went to unplug the little old lady's toilet. And uh, my dad in the plumbing business all his years, never got paid $25,000 for unplugging a toilet. And that's what that little lady gave me, $25,000. Paid for the doors, paid for the windows. And that happened the whole time. Now why? I know some of you are thinking, oh, it's just because you're the pastor and you know, God, you've got the anointing and you've got the ordination. And No, listen to me. This is what God wants all of us to experience. He wants us to experience the supernatural in our lives. He wants us to learn to trust Him and know His workings of the Spirit in us. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I'm going to tell you, all through our building program, we kept on giving to missions. We kept on supporting work overseas, Dennis. He didn't stop and say, well, you know, we're doing a, a building program, and this is a home mission, and we've got missions in our backyard, so we're not going to support work overseas. Those little starving children, let them, let them starve a year while we take care of our building. How many know that God knows how to take care of everything and everybody and there's no shortage in the economy of God? And that applies to you. God wants to meet all your needs. So God says, give. And he taught his people. It's, 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 it's ingrained into the law of Moses to give. And so a lot of people think that the people in the Old Testament, they just gave a tithe. They gave 10%. Well, you know what? If you think that they gave just 10%, then you have not read your Bible properly. Because if you go over the law of Moses, here's what you're going to discover. They weren't giving 10% of their gross income. They were giving something like 25 to 27% of their gross income. It was 10% that was supposed to support the Levites who were... The, like the pastors and the ministry, the ones who facilitated ministry, who made the Sunday morning thing happen. They were the ones that provided and, and set things up and, and, and equipped the people so that they could worship God. And then there was another 10% that went towards the festivals, the religious holidays and feasts. And God said, put 10% aside so that you can take part in these celebrations. And there's another 3 to 4% that was supposed to be set apart for those who were poor and needy and had, didn't have much. And in fact, if you were a farmer, God wanted you to leave behind a little bit. Don't, don't gather up every speck of, of grain. Leave a little bit behind for the poor people. And so the poor people would come and glean from the fields. You see, this is the kind of God we have. A God who is rich in abundance. The problem with us is that we have a poverty mentality. And God's calling us to have an abundance mentality. Because here's what I know. I know that when you follow God and you do what he says, there is no shortage. But you see, we, we don't trust God. That's the bottom line. I just don't trust God to provide for me, so I'm going to hang on to it. And we, we're, we're converted, but our wallets are not. You know what I'm saying? 
We're, our hearts are converted, but, you know, don't touch the money, Pastor. <laughs> I'll come to church. I'll even come to, that, to the odd banquet now and again, but don't ask me to give. Listen to me. I'm going to just tell you something right now. God doesn't need your money. But you need to give for the sake of your own heart. So that you learn what it means to partner with God in the great work of saving a broken and hurting world. This is what God wants you to be part of. This is what God has given you the privilege to be part of. So what I want to know today is, are you happy? Or as Dr. Phil would say, so how is this working for you? How's it working for you, taking care of matters on your own, taking your life into your own hands and solving your own problems? Listen to me. I don't get the point. I don't see any point in serving a God where i got to take care of my own problems and where the God doesn't help me. Because if that's your brand of Christianity, I really don't know why you bother. What's the point? However, if you're prepared to enter into a relationship with God where you trust Him to provide for you and to meet your needs by doing things His way, then this is where your Christianity is going to come alive. And this is where you're going to experience a thrill, an excitement that you would never know otherwise. The generous people, the givers, man, they just love it when the pastor talks about giving. Because they've experienced the miraculous in their life. They've experienced God doing amazing things. This morning, I want you to know this. You can never understand Christianity... It it will not make sense to you at all if you don't understand that giving is at the core of what it is. Sharing, giving, helping, loving, serving. And how does God want us to do this? Well, according to the Scripture, He wants us to do it cheerfully, eh? He wants us to do it generously. He wants us to do it even sacrificially so that it hurts a bit. Listen to this. You need to actually adjust the way you live so that you can partner with God in, in caring for the broken and the hurting of this world. Do you understand that? I had to rearrange my life. Gloria and I have had to rearrange our life so that we could go on missions trips. And now our kids are going to be going to Costa Rica. I can tell you this makes, means big adjustments. It means we don't get to go on vacation and do some of the other things that we like to do so that we can do this. Now, look, I'm not looking for a pat on the back. Oh, you can if you want to, but that's not what I'm looking for. What I'm trying to tell you is this, is that you need to make adjustments in your life so that you can get in line with God's plan and what God wants to do in your life. But I tell you, God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to experience the stress you're going through. He wants you to be happy. But you have to trust him in this. I'm going to tell you this, whenever you decide to follow God and do things God's way, I tell you, it always goes against what feels naturally, natural or what you want to do naturally. The natural thing is I'm going to hang on to this, I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to be in control of my own life, I'm going to be in control of my own destiny. But when you follow God, you say, God, I'm letting go, I'm going to just do it your way. I, I can't see how it's going to work out, but God, I know it will. I had somebody come to me yesterday. Uh, I'm actually going to get him to do a, a video testimony because I, I want you to hear this testimony. He got a new job and he promised God, God, when I get my new job, I'm going to begin to tithe. And as soon as he began to tithe, everything started falling into place. 
The money he's waiting for his unemployment insurance, it all of a sudden came in. Suddenly, he's, a, a, a second car is given to them. And you can call this a coincidence, but I tell you, these coincidences never happened before. It wasn't until he started to tithe. He started to give and share. Are you limiting God today? Are you giving God an opportunity to do the miraculous in your life? Well, if you want to see God do the miraculous in your life, then you're going to have to start trusting him and start doing what he says. And then watch the miracles begin to happen in your life. Glory and I, we could write books on the subject. We've experienced it in our life for 30 years. I just want to tell you this in closing. Some of you know that um, that we do these shoe boxes every year, and uh, we were we're a little bit behind because of some extenuating circumstances. And again, we just took it to the Lord and said, "God, what, like, what do you want to do? How, how are you going to solve this problem?" And this the just just before last Sunday, before the deadline, I was talking to somebody, a businessman, and uh, this businessman, it, it's, it's, his whole life has been devoted to giving and to sharing. And I'm gonna ch- t- I want you to know this. He didn't become generous after he became rich. He became rich because of his generosity. He, he began his business that way, being faithful in giving and sharing. That's how he began. And because God saw that he could trust this man with wealth, God continued to provide for him. He continued to meet his needs. He continued to enlarge his company. But he said, how much... I said, by the way, I said, did, so are you, have, you, have you done the shoe boxes this year? He goes, well, I haven't done them yet. I said, do you want to do some? I've got some boxes left over. He goes, well, how many boxes do you have left over? I said, I don't know, 40 or 50. He goes, yeah, I can do that. Pulls out a check, writes a check out for $1,500. He says, here, go fill the rest of the boxes. And so once again, somehow, some way, this church has reached our goal of over 300 boxes for Operation Christmas Child. Absolutely thrilling. But I want you to know this. Is that these, these, mir- these miracles happen when people take seriously God's call to believe him and to do what he says. And so this man didn't, didn't, didn't hesitate. Wrote the check out. Here's 1500 That should cover the boxes. I don't want you to have more than cover the boxes. Do you want the change? No. He said just put it to whatever you want to put it towards. This is why this man is successful in business. This is why God prospers him. Does this only work for for some people, not for others? I'm going to tell you this works for everybody. If you just learn how to adopt this lifestyle of giving. Remember, God doesn't need your money, but you need to give for the sake of your own soul. Christmas. It really is a celebration of giving. God gave his son. The Magi came bringing gold, incense, and more. Jesus gave his life. And the invitation to each of us is to give our hearts to God. Because I'm going to tell you this. 
The one who does not give is the one who I think probably has not yet given their heart to Jesus. And the reason I know that is because Jesus says that. Jesus says where your, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. I'm going to tell you this. If your treasure is in the things of this world, then God doesn't own your heart. And the essence, the, the, the very core of being a believer, being a follower of Jesus Christ, is that, is that God has your heart. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's what Jesus said. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. Father, this morning we want to be generous givers because you have made a promise to us. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And, that, and you said that you will generously provide everything that we need. And not just provide everything we need. It, your word says you will always, that we will always have everything we need and plenty left over so that we can share it with others. This is the lifestyle, God, you're calling us to live. This is when revival breaks out. This is when the Spirit of God begins to move. This is when lives are transformed, when people are saved. It's when people surrender their lives to you. God, we can pray and pray and pray for revival, but that's not, gonna, that's, that's not enough. You're asking us, God, to believe you and to do what you say. People pray for transformation in their life. They pray that God will answer their prayers. But God, you're telling us, first of all, to believe you and do what you say. So this morning, God, we want to commit ourselves to you. We, we pray, oh God, as we face these last days, we pray, God, that we would recognize what really matters. Help us, God, to be partners with you in these last days to make a difference in bringing hope and light and salvation to a broken and hurting world. Now, God, as we go from this place, may we go as faithful givers, as people who are prepared, Lord, to trust you, to take that step of faith, to actually test you to see if, in fact, you will keep your word. You tell us to do that, Malachi, to, to test you to see whether or not you'll do what you say. God, as we go from here now, may we go as the people who are generous givers. We pray that for Christ's sake. And everyone said it? Amen. Amen. God bless you.